Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We are only 18 days away from the conference. We're extremely excited to see all of you out there. It's right around the corner. Tickets are still available. If you would like to join us, you can get a four-day pass, a one-day pass, a live stream pass, uh, whatever you feel compelled to do. Uh, we'd love to see you there. Uh, on-site lodging, as you know, is sold out, but we might have one or two rooms opening up. So email us if you do want to stay on site. Uh, there is a possibility if you get to us uh, before someone else, you might get the room. So that's good news if someone was looking forward to staying on site. Uh, Hopewell Farm CBD. Guys, if you're looking to try a new CBD, I highly recommend their products. In particular, I've become a fan of their topical ointment, their skin salve. It's great for bug bites, poison ivy. I mean, any skin condition you have, uh, there's nothing better. They will be a vendor at the conference as well. And you will get their 10% discount at the venue. Uh, Eric and Nancy, they're beautiful souls and they put that energy into their products. I highly recommend it. But if you want to get their product now, you can save 10% on all of their merchandise with promo code journey to truth 10. And that link is below in the description. And all of the conference information can be found at journey to truthcon.com. Now that that's out of the way. Today, we are joined by Sumbo True Brother. He's an author, contactee, shamanic practitioner, in particular, contactee of the Sasquatch. He has written three books, The Sasquatch, Message to Humanity. I have personally haven't read them. I wish I had. Aaron has read the first two. Aaron, do you want to let them know about the books? What's your experience with them? They are incredible. Um, they're So it's channeled material from a Sasquatch elder. And it's just it's just all about the history of the planet of the human race of the sasquatch race of all these different races like the ant people and um just a, a, any race you can think of and uh and it's just like this galactic history and galactic information and um information about humanity and like what what got us to this point and where we're going and it's it's incredible i mean it's it's some of the most like comprehensive material I've ever read, honestly. And it's, it's mind blowing. Uh, I've right. read, there's three books. I've read the first two and they're incredible. And I just started book three right here. So I'm really excited to uh, get through mm -hmm. this one. Even the energy from the cover is beautiful. Um, I yeah, have, I have checked out your interviews and I'm very familiar with uh, what you've shared in the interview. So I'm excited to dive in and we're going to do this interview a little bit backwards instead of, having you tell the whole story. We're going to just hit the ground running and get into some of the message that the Sasquatch has for us and, you know, some of the current stuff that everyone wants to know about and other questions I have about things that have come through as far as the procession of genetic experiments and why they started with the fish, the ants, reptilians, birds, humans, then Sasquatch. I think that's very fascinating and the Council of Star Elders. Uh, but before we get into all that, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, I was uh, surprised last time I saw your show. First time I saw your show, actually, the, your last one, I guess, uh, to hear Aaron sh uh, sharing about my books. And uh, so I shared that, uh, that last post podcast of yours on my website. Oh, that's great. Which which episode was it? The first roundtable for the conference that we did. Ah, okay. So in, in the interviews and in the books, you mentioned how the Sasquatch are hybrids, just like us. And there's a lot of genetic experiments that were done. 
um, to create even all the races that I just mentioned. Could you explain how that works and how we got here and what that looks like uh, for the future? Yeah, uh, the Sasquatch, as uh, tested by the Sasquatch Genome Project, a five-year study in uh, many independent laboratories of 111 DNA samples of Sasquatch, uh, it shows that they carry mitochondrial DNA of human mothers, uh, but they also, they, their nuclear DNA carries some totally unknown genes from a, an unknown species, unclassified species. So they, this shows itself that they, they are a hybrid, a mixture of human and something else, but also uh, their genes are uh, alternate with um, single and spliced genes. Uh, only uh, them and us humans have this, which uh, does not occur in nature. So it shows that they have, they and we have been uh, genetically modified at some point in the past. And you mentioned that we're basically we basically share ninety nine percent of the same DNA. And I think that explains why when people do get a hair sample or something, it just comes back as human because people are looking for apes, but it's not really an ape. It's just another, more, I guess, a more advanced version of us, possibly. Yeah, uh, more ancient, that's for sure. And also, um, there might, uh, over you know, millions of years, we know us human, uh, homo sapiens, modern humans, have interbred with... Um, and Neanderthals and Denisovan, uh, we all carry some part of those uh, genes, different hominin species. So if we extend with the Sasquatch, how many types of hybrids and cross breeds there could have been uh, over millions and millions of years, it's uh, beyond our actual knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, this happens on all planets, actually, where uh, intelligent life is uh, seeded. Right. Mm -hmm. So the procession of genetic experiments, why did they start with the fish and then go to the ants and the reptilians? Was there a, why that order? Simply because that was the most abundant available uh, genetic stock in those phases of uh, we could say of creation or development of the world. Uh, the first phase when you come to a planet you want to settle is uh, to uh, implant individual souls to or to awaken individual consciousness that can incarnate in different life forms. And usually the first, at the beginning of planets, there's water, the sea will even Modern science say we come out of the water, uh, the primor primordial sea that is also found in many ancient uh, spiritual traditions. And from there, uh, we have to do landmass terraforming. We have to develop. And all this is uh, it's a natural process, but it can be uh, accelerated, can be facilitated by intelligent and 
intervention. That's, for instance, they said panspermia. Uh, scientists have this, this centuries, this theory exists, that uh, life came from somewhere else on Earth, maybe on meteorites, as most often thought. But uh, if we had intelligence to this process, there's uh, colonization and uh, terraforming, gardening and uh, developing biodiversity and ecosystems to implant conscious intelligent life that can manage this planet. So why they use first like fish or water beings? Because that was a water environment. Then they used insect or ant genes because they were abundant then and they're the best uh, colonies to develop uh, terraforming, form uh, dig tunnels, build mountains, and all this. Then it became the reptilian, the lizard or snake people who developed uh, uh, deeper into psychic uh, abilities. And then it went to the avian. And this is the natural development of life forms on Earth. Uh, and uh, the uh, Birds or bird people. Uh, finally, to uh, end with the, the mammal people, uh, the first ones were the Sasquatch. They are like a earlier version of the human humanity. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, yeah. and this information comes from the Sasquatch that you're in communication with. So. Who was doing the genetic experiments? There were many. Uh, there's uh, lots of different life forms and intelligent life forms in the universe, and many have visited this planet since even before human existed. And so these um, many groups, uh, sometimes there's like councils, confederations uh, that unite several groups and factions. There's also some rogue factions. Sometimes they're not, not all people on Earth, same as not all people in the universe, uh, work for the best interest of all. Some have their own agenda and their own uh, uh, power, hunger, and the they seek domination. And we're all intertwined with all these different species that have visited Earth since uh, the dawn of humanity. Right. So I guess um, it, it's, it's all very interesting to me as far as I just never expected them. Uh, the, I didn't think the Sasquatch were a genetic experiment. I always thought they were more native to the planet. So um, it's really interesting to me to hear the procession of things as far as that goes. And you mentioned they also um, were part of the Lemurian civilization and inner earth. And you also mentioned the hollow moon, which I'd love to get into as well. But can you shed some light on how they were coexisting with the Lemurians? Uh, yeah, they were actually uh, living. Uh, Lemuria was the southern half of land masses, you can say. At some point, there was uh, Pangaea, one big continent that split into 
and later it split in several continents. And so the Lemuria represents actually billions of years of uh, Earth history that predate humanity as well. So that's where uh, first human uh, ancestors were conceived and seeded and uh, as well uh, taught, educated. And that's uh, found in many, many ancient traditions uh, around the world. Uh, the Sasquatch were part of those elder species that were there to assist to uh, our conception and our education. So, um, th do they reside like right now? Obviously, they're multi-dimensional beings. They have all these abilities that you know humans struggle to develop. You know, teleportation, telepathy, remote viewing, the orbs, UFOs—you name it. Um, it seems like they're they're capable of all of it. Uh, would they have been, or are they residing inside the planet right now, or just outside of our existence in another dimension? Uh, both, actually, because uh, being uh, well, we're all multi-dimensional beings. We science admits that. Physical matter is three percent, more or less, of the energy we can perceive and calculate. So that means the ninety-seven percent of energy, at least, that is not physical, but it is still real. It is still a part of the uh, fabrics of the universe. For some call, we can go into corticate into dark matter, antimatter, and all kind of. <clears throat> but that's a long story. Um, but this to explain that we live in a multiverse, a multi-dimensional universe, and we are part of this multi-dimensional existence. We are not limited to this physical body of a molecule, which is itself a holographic projection. In fact, it's just a, a energy field. So. Well, the more we understand these these fabrics of the universe, the more we can develop interdimensional knowledge and abilities like star beings or Sasquatch, elder species have, um, and switch between one dimension to the other. And we realize very soon that only this physical matter is so subject to linear time limitations. Mm -hmm. As soon as we jump to another plane, uh, that's why there can be uh, teleportation, there can be time travel. So when, when the, the species like Sasquatch or evolved star beings who have these abilities and knowledge, uh, they, they're not caught like we are in our general uh, level of consciousness now as humans. We are more caught in the physical plane because we barely recognize or uh, open to the other dimensions. Uh, science is getting there, but uh, our consciousness has to catch up. Mm. You mentioned the star, the Council of Star Elders. Uh, this is something very fascinating to me. We hear about all kinds of galactic councils, confederations, federations. Um, is this all the same 
thing, just different words for it? Or how would you describe this group? And how does one become a member of this council? Yeah, there's uh, different names to express more or less the same concept. And there's also different levels of councils or federation. Um, as an example, um, I met a Hopi master who was uh, very knowledgeable and famous. And uh, he had, he told me he had a collection of old spaceship parts on his yard. And he told me that he used to land behind his house on Prophecy Rock on Hopi land, take him for rides and give him teaching. And he was uh, the only human representative in that confederation of 12 planets, he called. That's one circle, but if we extend to uh, galactic or intergalactic or beyond uh, scales, uh, we there is always a greater and greater level of consciousness uh, required for beings to manage not only worlds but galaxies and uh, universes. So these. The ones uh, that I've worked with, that have contacted me, that uh, I see their ship and I ask who they are, and they tell me they come from many places I never, I have no idea about, I've never heard of. Uh, but they all come together in this council of star elders to watch over the, the worlds and the, the universe. So are they acting as like ambassadors or would you be an ambassador for them? How does that work? And obviously they're here assisting, right? I mean, I would imagine they're trying to help us through these hard times. They definitely are. They are, uh, we can say uh, there's different roles in a different uh, level of evolution. Uh, so basically the first condition to be uh, admitted in that, Council is to reach a level one uh, of civilization, which is a planetary civilization that is living in perfect harmony with its environment without destroying it, without uh, draining the resources, and without fighting among ourselves. And we're not there yet, but there are people who have always promoted or uh, worked towards those values towards a peaceful civilization and these people can sometimes be reached or contacted to uh, transmit some information and messages because at this point of our universe uh, of our history they cannot come and land on the white house lawn as many people ask why because they'd be shot, you know, uh, or they, we're, we're not ready to listen to what they have to say. So they find people who are prepared and uh, trained to channel messages uh, at this time of our history, because they used to walk among us. They, there's many, many traces I have actually touched. Uh, alien mummies in Peru and have... Uh, I mean, there's uh, plenty of discoveries of alien skulls around the world that are always covered up, but I have first and second hand 
experience with this kind of remains that show that there's definitely a plan of proof that we are not alone and we've never been alone on this planet. Mm -hmm. So um, going back to the council, I guess this would be like wise elders of Sasquatch. So, so if there's a, when we say council of star elders, is it just comprised of Sasquatch, maybe different species within that, or is it other star beings as well? It's all different types. The Sasquatch are one, and the Sasquatch are uh, so many million years of uh, history. They find, you know, petrified human-like footprints, usually bigger than human, around the world, and are related two or three hundred million years. So that's as long as we can, at least as we can think they've been around this planet. Uh, but they've also been around other planets because they travel with the star elders. So when I asked a couple of times, you know, especially during channeling sessions and stuff, ship comes and overs there or communicates. And I asked where you come from, and they started showing me their faces like real fast. And each face was different, different species, different. Uh, it's basically like we we could a pale comparison, the United Nation for us humans, mm -hmm. but that's uh, intergalactic. Uh, yeah, except uh, they have better intentions than the United Nations. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So, so you mentioned that humans used to be a part of this council, but not any longer. Obviously, um, things have shifted and things have changed. Um, can you explain how that happened? That's also found in many ancient teachings, uh, and uh, including the Hopi. I mentioned the Hopi often because I've I was adopted by the Hopi and I learned a lot of uh, initiations and very amazing teaching and magic that cannot all be told, but. Um, including several spaceships and things like that, like a flying city. So, um, okay, so that's why that's, this white mayor, uh, uh, Master White Bear, was still part of that council, flying, they would land on this, he showed us where they left the marks behind his house and everything. So there is still, there are others too, as well, I'm convinced around the world that are, uh, recognize and can act as ambassadors and sit among the star people. Otherwise, they use telepathy, channeling. Um, and because as a collective, as a collective, our civilization is in dire, critical uh, downfall, we can say. Uh, it's, not, it's not sustainable, it's not going to last very long that what's going and we always hear about a new war and with the nuclear on the table and all these things there's uh it's not looking good what they call environmental crisis the biodiversity depleting uh we can we can guess that this way of life as many prophecies have said well will end somehow, probably uh, in catastrophe, maybe violently. 
part of, of our own action of, of nature's response. Mm -hmm. So that's why they can't come in here uh, right now and speak with our leaders because I, I don't like to say our leaders, those leaders who mislead humanity, who have all the power and the, the resources actually. Uh, do have their own secret space program to fight their Star Wars. So, so they cannot come and sit with, with us and uh, let's say smoke a peace pipe or whatever. You know, they have to wait until there's safe landing spot and mm -hmm. enough people ready to welcome them. So we've been kicked out of the yeah. club until we get our act together. And I do, I am going to start calling them misleaders instead of leaders. Uh, yeah. Uh, you mentioned that there's a secret genocide campaign against the Sasquatch even. Uh, so they're also, you know, in this game as well, in this war as well. Uh, what does that look like for them? And does that correlate to the transhumanist agenda that we see now? So related. Um uh, there's, uh, I've, I published also after the Sasquatch Research to Humanity, uh, the Encyclopedia of All Things Sasquatch, Hairy Humanoids from the Wild. Uh, that is a, a documented research in all the 5,000 years of documentation about Sasquatch. Uh, there's many cases over since ages, ages uh, of uh, hairy humanoids that were hunted down, sometimes killed, captured, uh, displayed in circus and stuff like that. Uh, there's plenty, plenty of evidence uh, that uh, those contacts have happened uh, on the five continents uh, since ever. Uh, it started, the cover-up started around the late 1800. Uh, until then, you know, even in, uh, when the Yeti was Tracks were discovered by British geographic and all that. They made it like a interesting, valid top, topic of research. You know? and they, uh, to the point where they, all the big powers put up secret expeditions to hunt down the Yeti, the Sasquatch, and other such uh, beings, including. Uh, United States, Great Britain, uh, Russia, China, Japan, France, and other other countries that put up some well-founded, well-equipped, armed expeditions to hunt the hairy humanoids, and that started before the fifties, at least uh, in the fifties. It was an ongoing practice. Uh, many of those expeditions are documented, uh, but there's always a cover-up coming with it. For instance, the infamous Yeti memo from the U.S. Embassy in Nepal that uh, gives the guidelines for the Yeti hunters, that if they find any picture, any DNA sample, body, any, any evidence, they have to keep it secret and bring all the evidence to the government. That's an official uh, U.S. document. And we wow. find out that afterward, 
and the uh, 60s and 70s. There were, uh, these expeditions were still going on everywhere. And there were, uh, in 1963, there were the, was the International Committee for Research into Hairy Humanoids based in Rome with members from all these countries I mentioned, but including from the CIA, MI5, KGB, uh, and so on. There, there were, these were the institutions, the, the, the agencies involved in chasing Yeti and Sasquatch, and they're trying to tell us that they never found any. Because that's when this, the cover-up started. They started to hide everything they could find. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. Um, I just wonder how that works, because it seems like they're very intuitive telepathic so they know the intention of whoever is coming like if you go out with a gun obviously they're not going to show themselves so how would they even capture them if they if they're multi-dimensional how could they capture them they're not invulnerable they're not uh immortal uh, and uh the there's reports that they're being shot at and they they seem unaffected, but doesn't mean they don't feel it. Uh, there's also uh, often the ones captured are usually uh, youngsters or, or females. Most often, uh, the reports we find uh, since the Middle Age and the Antiquity. Um, so there are certain situations where they can be vulnerable, like the if they're sleeping, if they're surprised in an ambush, or if they're not quite skilled enough to, to teleport or to become invisible. And, and more and more with modern technology now with the kind of infrared Googles and stuff. Mm -hmm. So we hear over time throughout history, there's also reports of Sasquatch or Bigfoot attacking people. Now, I would imagine they're just like humans as good and bad of everyone, right? So would these be rogue groups that have defected or like what would explain the attacks? Because apparently they're very benevolent. They're here to help us, but some people are scared of them. Maybe you could help us understand what's happening there. Yeah, I wrote a few chapters about the the, the attacks and the, the abductions and the, these aspects. It is obvious if we look at for, let's take one, maybe the most famous uh, monster case of uh, the, the folk monster, uh, Boggy Creek Monster. Mm -hmm. uh, they made uh, movies, they books, and there's a festival, uh, Monster March, all from that story. Uh, well, that's a unique incident that's lasted a few days back in 1970 or something. Uh, one family that saw a Sasquatch put his hand in the, the house and started shooting him. And then the Sasquatch threw a guy down and the guy had a couple bruises and scratches. And that became like a big monster story. There's, if you if we have a deep, look at deeper at this, this case, we find out that in the same area, Boggy Creek, there's over 250 reports in one century uh, well, that means many more sightings 
And there's this one incident when the Sasquatch got mad and threw the guy on the ground because they were shooting at him. Mm-hmm. So if we look at all these many, many stories of attack, you find out there's a, first of all, it's a tiny minority of encounters. It's a very exceptional case. And usually it's often uh, armed parties, hunting parties or pussies that are after them. Mm-hmm. So they will defend themselves. It's in defense, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Peaceful until provoked. Yeah. Right. They're not going. They're not going around attacking people unprovoked. That's exactly. That's not happening. Yeah. Right. And they often uh, reported as throwing rocks or logs, but if you look at all those cases, they threw them next to the person to frighten them away, not to hurt them. They could. They could kill in one shot. That they will just warn off. The intruders. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very yeah. true, and I've always wondered that. You always, you always see the logs or the rocks landing next to them. Uh, that makes perfect sense. And sometimes it's not that the person's there to threaten them, but they just don't want them in their territory. It's their home, whatever. That's why if you're going out, I, I always believe in somehow if you can communicate, ask for permission, or at least thank them for allowing you to be on their land. Just show some sort of respect and honor them. And anyway, I think that goes a long way. Um, so as far as the message to humanity, right? Is there anything that's coming through right now about our current times or our future that you haven't really had a chance to share yet that you would like to share? Well, what they asked me to share in those books is still pretty much actual. And I would say maybe even more and more. Some levels. Uh, uh, first, there's some things they try to remind us about our multidimensional nature, which means we have a soul, a spirit. We have, we are not uh, more. We are immortal. We we're not limited to this physical uh, shell, and we also all connected. So we have to <coughs> to develop our empathy. Which is our natural state of communication with our whole life. And this way we can re- reconnect with our ancient wisdom that is being wisely lost. It's not gone, it's just been forgotten. And it's wisdom and truth, we can say, are eternal, they exist everywhere all the time, and they don't depend on the ones carrying it. Everyone can access. Mm. So that's a little bit the one of the main things. One of the other things there are warnings, uh, namely about geoengineering, for instance, or uh, the transhumanist agenda, because uh, that's a great. Uh, turning point in, in our evolution as a species and as a collective uh, for our collective consciousness because if we become parts cyborg uh, our DNA our DNA is altered uh, we're not all the quite as human as we were supposed to, to we were created 
And then we can also be more easily controllable by AI or whatever right. electromagnetic wave can be used. And if we're just like our natural self as we were meant to, to be. Right. Our natural bodies are a greater technology than any of that. It's so much greater than any of that. We just have to learn how to tap into that and how to utilize it. So, and like you just said, you nailed it. It's about control because as soon as they start getting this artificial technology into us as transhumanism, then they can control it. And that's what it's all about. That's what the whole, every agenda playing out, every nefarious agenda playing out on the planet is all about control. And then you got to ask yourselves, who, who is behind this control? Who are the groups at the top of this pyramid of control and who, who is, who is behind this agenda? And, uh, you know, we talk, people talk about the cabal or the Illuminati and that like, that's kind of like the human pyramid, but there's, there's negative ETs above them. They're not the top of the pyramid. They're controlled themselves. And that's what people need to understand. And then you, people talk about the reptilians, the Draco and the Greys, and these kind of like negative ETs that are kind of manipulating things behind the scenes. Um, so I think a lot of the, a lot of our benevolent ET star family and friends are helping are helping to fight the war that we can't really fight, like to clear out these negative influences um, so that we can clean up our own mess and that we can, we can evolve unhampered and, and unsuppressed like we've been for a long time now. Well said. And I think the Sasquatch probably are helping, I'm sure, in their own, in their own way, but they can't fully come out yet because it's not safe for them to, you know, they have to protect themselves, you know. Individual individual contact i mean it has to happen that way and because another thing that's interesting to me is not everyone believes this stuff and if you were to go on fox news and share this information you might get laughed at ridiculed Uh, and you have to find a safe place to share this information and for people to even take you seriously because the collective consciousness isn't quite there yet Uh, so it's going to happen in waves you know and i think those waves are going to get exponentially bigger as time goes on until eventually you know a few generations from now we just know and we are existing with them Uh, but it's about finding that safe space and i think it's interesting the cabal or whatever you were referring to aaron that the sasquatch i believe referred to them as the lower lords is that correct yeah that's the the lower uh, lords pretty uh, explicit (laughs) Yeah, that's a very accurate term. I like that. That's the yeah. that's a very descriptive and the the uncivilization, uncivilization, which is also yeah, yeah. very accurate. But they yeah. they talk about how the low they call them the lower lords. They talk about one of the main reasons they have to stay in hiding is because the lower lords are after them and are trying to exterminate them. And, and which uh, is what he just explained. Yeah, because they know because obviously we call them the cabal or the Illuminati or, or the you know, different terms, but um, they know about these beings. Obviously, they know their abilities. They know, like, they're the the cabal is terrified of of. I think they're they're scared of us because of our innate, you know, power that we as soon as we tap into it, it's game over. But the Sasquatch already have they're tapped into there, so it's like they have to probably even more so attack them and keep them right. keep them in hiding. And because as soon as they are able to join fully with humanity, it's it's definitely game over, in my opinion. So, mm-hmm. um, 
but I do think that day is coming very quickly. I think I think the dark's already on its way out. I think the frequency is raising. They're they're not frequency specific to where we're going. So they like where we're at right now. It seems like they know they have to lock stuff down right now, or it's or they're done. So they're kind of like throwing out everything. They're kind of on their last legs. They're they're in um, desperation mode because they know. Uh, they're on a sinking ship unless they can like fully implement their system of control. Mm-hmm. And that's why we see so much craziness happening on the planet right now. But I do think they're, uh, you know, I don't think we're not on, I don't believe we're on a negative timeline and I know that's not like, Oh, just sit back and do nothing. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying there's hope and I'm saying people are waking up. Uh, you know, the planet is moving in a positive direction. There's just a lot of chaos and detoxing happening right have, now. And, um, it's, have, excuse it's me, Aaron, have they mentioned to you anything about a split occurring? Um, basically, we hear about this split of consciousness, right? The lower density and the higher density. Can you explain what they've shared? Yeah, totally. Because there's also a, a spiritual uh, awakening and mm-hmm. evolution. That is ongoing, in yes. spite of all the obstacles, your position, and the forces that are trying to divert it or stop it. It's happening because that's our destiny. That's why we've been here for millions of years in this journey. So there's also a split happening because not only that's part of many uh, ancient prophecies, for instance. Uh, because uh, where we take is where we're going to end. It's, it's going to lead where we where we going to end. So if we take the the way to destruction, what we'll end up with? If we take the way to to let's say uh, harmony or to uh, enlightenment, and uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. That's where we'll end up eventually. And it's also it's all an individual choice that. It's a daily individual choice whether we want to co-create a world of destruction mm. and war and fear or a world of peace and harmony and and uh, enlightenment. Right. Yeah. Right. So, and I agree. It's we have a choice right now, and we're all being presented with a choice. And the choice mm-hmm. to free yourself and liberate yourself is the hard road right now because they set up the system and the matrix to make it easy for you and they support you. And, and because that's kind of like, uh, it's very easy. Ignorance is bliss type of lifestyle. And uh, the difficult path is the self-discovery path and standing on your own and walking against the, the crowd going against the current. But right. let's talk about the Sasquatch a little more in depth. So you had your first encounter in 1981, you were age 17 if I'm not mistaken, um, can you just explain to us what that looked like for you? You were just hanging out in the woods and you encountered one. What did that look like? Uh, that first story I told a few times, uh, I'm often asked about. Uh, it was, uh, I was uh, 17, we were 10 young guy who went to camp by the Fraser River in the woods next to the Chehalis. Uh, Indian Reserve, from whose language the name Sasquatch comes. I did. I had no idea about that back then. I, I even took me it, it took me years afterward to realize what 
where I had taken place that, that night. Uh, when uh, the middle of the night, uh, pouring rain, pitch dark, black night, uh, we heard heavy footsteps in the brush, and our post was holding our shelter was snapped. Our roof fell on our faces. We were trying to figure out what happened. There was another guy camped in, just off and he came panicked and he said, I just, he said, you won't believe me, but I just saw a big hairy monster put down the camp and vanish like a ghost. And back then we had not a single clue. We didn't even connect the story to Sasquatch back then. We couldn't make sense of it. And we thought maybe, you know, he had seen something in a dream. We couldn't, couldn't understand 17 like that. Uh, but that launched me on a shamanic quest, uh, did my first uh, vision quest that same week. And met my spirit guide, and that brought me to some elders and medicine people who could teach me uh, many things about the spirit world, about dimensions, about... Uh, and we can... We can also call it quantum physics, quantum resonance, because basically the part of the it's proven by science. We still don't understand, but existence uh, needs uh, consciousness to manifest. The, it, it's all waves of possibilities on, until they collapse and are observed and become manifested rea uh, reality. So basically, the whole universe works like that. We just have to practice. But uh, mm -hmm. we, some ancient wisdom like shamanism, have tapped into these knowledges, and they they help us to to buy different practices to apply this knowledge as to uh, transform destiny or affect uh, events or people or or lives. Uh, so it took me 33 years of this training before I, uh, and uh, occasional Sasquatch encounters and uh, star people encounters, also with or without spaceship. Before I was uh, finally ready and trained well enough to deal with paranormal phenomena. And, uh, so, and the Sasquatch was coming and calling me out, coming and walking on my roof around my, my place and everything until, okay, I, I want to know who those people are. And I went out and they started right away to teach me. And they started this close connection, which can always manifest anywhere, anytime, uh, because consciousness. It is not a local phenomenon. Consciousness can travel in space and time. Uh, if consciousness is the first condition to existence, then everything else can as well, like our bodies. So in a nutshell, that's pretty much how this process, this connection came uh, over many years of preparation and then connecting and practicing with them.
And you specifically mentioned mentioned an elder that began communicating with you. Did this motivate, was it through him that the book idea came about? Yeah, he was my main guide because, um, you know, like any kind of people or tribes, you know, if we look, for instance, in the native indigenous tribes uh, around the world who know those beings, uh, some very well, some include them in their ceremonies. Uh, but most in the tribe will stay away from them. So it will say, don't bother them, but they live over there. Uh, it's mostly the medicine people, shamans, different names, gifted seers, who act as ambassadors between them and the humans, as well as with the star beings, because there's the same family. We're all the same cosmic family, and the Sasquatch are our closest relatives in this family, but not our only one. So that elder, uh, Camus, is... Uh, he was not the only Sasquatch I communicated with or, or uh, I met, even in the physical. But he was assigned as an elder to come and teach me and kind of open the way for these, this information to come out. And it was also a series of like miracles and magic and paranormal uh, events that brought this book series to, to come out and well uh, forward. Mm. So the elder Camus, is that what you said? W would he be on this uh, star, this council? Is, is he one from that council? Yeah. So what has he shared with you as far as, I mean, the basics of like their medicine, like you keep, you mentioned the medicine men and medicine women and uh, like their healing abilities and, and things of that nature. Uh, have you, has it, have they taught you about that? It, it's infinite, you know, all of the fields of knowledge that can be uh, addressed. Uh, one of the thing, the main thing is to to remember the spiritual entity we are, and also this power we have, because uh, there is we all create our own timeline. That's why there is going to be two timelines for humanity that will part gradually until there's two different realities. For uh, that's one way to simplify, but uh, we choose the role we want. But it's the same in every day, every action we take, uh, the intention, uh, the power of the intention. We can transform the world just with our, with our thoughts. If they're well-focused and thoughts manifest in two words, bring actions and that bring results. So is this... Um, I guess I was asking more specifically about healing abilities, um, ways that have they shown you natural remedies and things that you can do for yourself um, that has nothing to do with big pharma or um, modern medicine? Uh, 
Yeah, well, personally, I have uh, studied and used and practiced with uh, medicinal plants for like four decades. And, uh, uh, so they helped quite a few people just by for learning about it, mm -hmm. gathering some, making salves and stuff. Uh, Natural medicine will always be the best, the most trustable we can think about. Uh, then again, it goes uh, to another level where our own energy can be a, a healer. We can, uh, without any external support, we can uh, heal. If starting with us, we can self-heal. There are techniques that I've practiced that are uh, consistent, uh, pretty much letting the universal pure energy come and cleanse all the along our body, all the different uh, ailments or blockages we might have or pains. And, and it's a meditation, uh, it's really efficient. Uh, I, I could uh, recommend this, uh, this practice that takes rid of much of everything if you focus well enough because 95% uh, of disease come as a psychic uh, cause. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. So in this same way we can use our hands for instance or some people are gifted with that to, to heal other people you know, like to make this that energy leave the body and the soul. Right. Yeah. And it, it all goes back to the intention like you said the thoughts. Uh, and that creates the reality. I think it's beautiful. Um, so to your understanding, how many different species of Sasquatch are there? And I mean, I've, I've seen, I've heard reports. I haven't seen heard reports of very small ones. Would that be juvenile? Or could that be a, a race that just doesn't get that tall? Um, you know, gigantic 10, 15 feet tall ones and the average six foot. Are these all different or is it just different ages? Um, what does that look like? There's definitely a different genetics. Um, from my own experience uh, in Australia, I, I met the small ones, uh, if you don't know more than three or four feet. Uh, and it can be like an elder, but that's, that's how big as they grow. Those small ones are known uh, mostly around the Southern Pacific and Philippines, uh, New Zealand, uh, Sri Lanka, they're quite um, in Indonesia. Um, there's also bigger ones. There's also other traits like the, I've seen the, the ones they call Duliga in Southern Australia. They have a opposed tongue, their foot, as, a, as a, uh, most Sasquatch here have uh, feet like us. But those uh, Duliga, they have an uh, opposed tongue. Uh, apparently, the Yeti, too. Uh, I haven't seen Yeti, for example. Uh, so there are different lineages, uh, probably subspecies, and uh, different hybrids, because they're also interbred with different hominins. And who knows how many interventions from star beings has been done. And on average, how long do they, how long do they live? This is probably uh, also 
relative to every uh, lineage and uh, individuals, because some individuals, uh, well, like like any species, including humans, can reach immortality. They, they can reach a certain level where they can take their bodies in the other dimension. But do they live to be like thousands of years old, possibly? Like I, I believe so. I believe so. At least the the ones I'm familiar with in the, from the Pacific Northwest uh, that I've met more, I have more of my communications with those clans. Uh, I, I've met different ones to uh, back east. There's some who look like a dog man almost. Um, uh, they're not. Uh, they're again. That's another topic because there's many classes of dogmas, so let's not go there. But uh, and there's uh, different. You can feel if you meet them that they have their own energies, like their own cultural traits, maybe or collective consciousness. Oh. But they're all similar somehow. They have. So the Vancouver Island area, British Columbia, Washington State, that's, I guess, the primary hotspot, you would say? I mean, there's sightings everywhere. Um, but why do they, is it, is it, does it have to do with the wildlife there and just the nature of the land? Is that why they choose to reside there? Or is there another reason energetically? There's probably a few reasons. Uh, one is that... Um, the Pacific Northwest is still the largest wilderness on the continent. Uh, if we go from, let's say, Oregon or Washington to Alaska, uh, it's the smallest, or, and maybe the far north, is the smallest population density. And it's very hard to go in those mountains. It's meant to be wilderness. It's not never going to be big cities out there. So uh, also, there's a huge network of caves, and there's many stories on Vancouver Island, which is called the Island of Caves, and uh, Northern Washington on Colville, and, uh, Southern BC. There's several stories of uh sasquatch clans uh living in caves there in, in deep underground caves where they're hidden from right right that, that's interesting the cave network thing i mean there's even in missouri here there's a massive cave network that most people are unaware of and there's i guess yeah. you could say there's a lot of sightings here in missouri as well um but really everywhere um and oh. what I have a question. So what, um, so obviously there's a lot of, if you want to connect with them, you have to be in the right state. <laughs> you have to be, you know, come with love and, and not cause they can sense your intentions a mile away. And they're, if you're, if you're coming to either hunt them, obviously, or if you're coming to just get a video so you can blast it out to the world to prove they exist, or if you're coming to get rich off of, you know, or your ego or whatever, they're going to send, they know that they know your intentions and you're either not going to see them at all, or they're going to scare you away or something's going to go wrong and they're going to, they're going to stop you from, you know, they're going to protect themselves, obviously. Um, 
but generally you're just probably not going to see them at all if if you have the wrong intentions and that's why you know you hear stories of these people like oh i they don't exist because i looked i you know went all over the place looking for them and never saw or heard anything and it's like well what were your intentions <laughs> going to to find you know there you go the, they're not people aren't thinking in this way like they don't understand who these beings are or how advanced they are they're not just these big big apes that's not at all what what they are and in the book they even say well, they're not even related to the apes that's a complete misconception uh, they say we're actually more related to to uh, apes than than they are they're like if if anyone was the ape people it would actually be humans um they're way more ancient than than modern day humans they say they've been they're kind of like our elder brother so to speak but yeah so if you want to if you want to connect with them um you have to be in the right state come with love and a pure intention and then you know maybe consistently and eventually when they sense that or if they deem if they want to connect with you then they will right mm, yeah there's a there's a more and more people who have contacts and what has proven efficient has proven the best if not the only successful approach as you described is you go there with a good intention mm. no ulterior motives no no agenda you don't want to impose uh, yourself on them you don't want to try to trick or lure or trap or nothing like right. that because that's the best turn off you've never heard of right. them if you go with that approach but so far i have assisted over 100 people in having their first contact and uh, that's how it starts is you have to know how to approach them you have to to have the right intention and that means respect that means mm -hmm. peaceful loving humble here don't, don't try to outsmart them <laughs> you're gonna regret it and uh, that means uh, if you cover this, they feel you before you're there. And they will say, maybe this guy, we can give him, like, let's say, a hoot today, or a little tick arrangement, or a little sign to see how they react, because it's a long process. They're in no rush. They don't have to uh, walk in front of our camera as we, we wait hmm. there. So, and that's how they will, uh, contacts develop, uh, gifts, gifting. I don't like to use the word habituation because it's not an animal. It's more like we approach a friend and a wise one that we respect. So we, we don't want um, to force them into doing what we like. If they want a gift, they give, they take it. If they don't, they leave it. If they, they want to give us something back, they do. But with all these steps, it's how we learn to know them and, and not to like try to fit them in our mold or this or that uh, scientific taxon or did I get to Pithecus or Neanderthal or neither one. So let's learn from them. That's the best way. And from so far, uh, I have met over 500 people who have had a contacts and uh, over 300 have shared their experiences on my website. Scenic Sasquatch. So I feel and I see with documentation that there's more and more context being made, not only with Sasquatch, but with star people as well, because we're in the need of this help. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and you shared a story 
about, I, I don't I forgot where you went. You were out there for eight days and it wasn't until the eighth day that you decided to do a ceremony, make an offering. And that's when they finally uh, showed themselves. Maybe you could tell that story, but I think it's a good story or a great example of, you know, how much time and effort you have to put in. You're not just going to go to the hot spot and for two hours and walk around like, oh, there's nothing here and leave. Uh, you spent right. a lot of time. And then at the end of that time is whenever you had your experience. Can you explain that, please? Yeah, that was uh, my first uh, encounter, close encounter with Camus. I, I, I should say conversation because uh, we met before. But, uh, that was when I was doing this vision quest on Vancouver Island by Kennedy Lake, uh, especially to meet them. I went there to, for that purpose. And the first day I saw footprints, but uh, I heard mumblings in the forest and uh, i felt the energy but i kept looking around like you know like a tourist <laughs> like a curious guy who's, who's trying to see something with his camera and um, didn't see much for the first week and then after a while i was just being in nature with the animals i saw you know cougar wolves and just being at peace with those relatives it also shows them that, oh, you, this guy f feels good in nature. He's part of us, you know. If not, they're like freaking out, shooting everything. So then I did the ceremony, got to start practice those ways with a uh, simple chant and drum and a native flute smudge. And that's the night where he came. And uh, he came definitely made himself heard long before banging on trees two trees then break shaking and breaking heavy trees and uh, i heard his footstep and he sat right behind my tent and that was uh, i must say that was um what i was there for but i was freaked out i was i didn't know yet what to expect or who they really were I just knew they were coming on my way all the time. It had to be a reason. So that's when we 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 got to know each other. Basically, we got to communicate, and I found they were wise and they were peaceful beings, and they're keepers of nature, and they're trying to help us and guide us back into being keepers of this planet as well. So he showed up in the physical, and yeah. And so how tall was he at the, the time? Seven feet. Seven feet. And what... I'd seen him before in 2003 with another friend, uh, same area of Vancouver, by the other uh, road. And help me understand like what their face looks like. Is it how it's always depicted? Is it more of a human face with no hair and then the hair everywhere else? What does it look like? Uh, first, every individual is different. Um, as much as we are, so it's really hard to say what does a human face look like, you know. Right. But uh, there's uh, there's been uh, an artist who made a portrait of uh, Camus on my indications. I have not one to um, that uh, resemble closely. You know, it's not photo and I also very often I've noticed that they 
their face is the last part of themselves they will clearly reveal, they will clearly show to you because they have to get used to their presence, kind of first, just feeling their psychic energy is really intense. When the face, um, very often, uh, in my case, as with other many people, experiencers, um, they might first contact you in dreams or meditations and show you images and telepathy that you, oh, you get used to them. You don't freak out right away, you know, because they can be impressive. But uh, do, what do they look like? There's, like I said, very many different types. The ones, they're close. We could say, you know, because they carry some modern human DNA, they have some modern human traits, but they have something. So we can say they're uh, maybe, I don't know, half or what percentage, but they have some human aspects. Right. And something else. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, yeah, it's hard to describe all of them as a whole. I, I guess I just meant him in particular. Were you shocked to see like how human like he was or was it what you imagined? He, what can I say? A human with a, some kind of a very ancient, we could be tempted to say primitive uh, traits. Uh, he has a beard and uh, hair, mm-hmm. uh, apart from body hair. Mm-hmm. I was given, uh, he gave me actually two samples of his hair. And one was a very nice, long, uh, half-braided locks that I shared with over a dozen people from different countries. That's amazing. So um, whenever you communicate with them or I guess channel them, whatever that looks like, are you, is it always just one individual? Because I've heard channelers a lot of times when they're communicating with a higher intelligence, it's a collective. They're, they come to you as a we as instead of an individual. Is that how that works? Most often, exactly, yeah. Uh especially when the messages of collective interest. There might be an individual, let's say like Camus, uh, who's like the the channeler, the the messenger, but he speaks on behalf of his collective uh, consciousness, his council. So the way for me, it's different for every people, but when a channel happens, it's just like switching on the right frequency, the right station, and then communication can engage. Uh, it's not often in words for me. It's more like direct info- information download, mm-hmm. like a computer file full of information that comes in, and then it's mine to process and decode. Uh, sometimes words also come, especially when I write. Right. And images. So when he sat down behind your tent, it was all telepathic. There was no vocalization. I mean, people do record them making sounds, but it doesn't seem to be anything like, it doesn't sound like a intelligent language. Maybe it is, we just don't understand it, but 
it seems to me that if they're speaking in telepathy, they don't really need to use their vocal cords as much. Exactly. That's uh, one of the first thing he told me that, uh, well, they can use, you know, vocals, but if you can talk in telepathy and give a, like a whole computer, computer file information download in one task, why would you try to explain it in words? You know, it's like much faster and much more efficient. And if, depending on how well receptive is the, the other uh, person in the conversation, but if it's willingly engaged, uh, practice, uh, it becomes like uh, plugging another computer in your own. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a common um, reported thing with people with ET interactions, where they say they they get this telepathic download, like you just said, like a file, where it's just like they just instantly have this full body of information downloaded like into them and they just know everything that that being one of them to know instantly right so sasquatch it sounds like have that exact same ability yes that's actually what i experienced with the inner earth being um it was just Mm -hmm. like so much like it's impossible to comprehend how it's all in an instant when you're trying to explain it but right um earlier i mentioned the hollow moon what have they shared with you about our moon uh, yeah, well, they uh, they described all the moon. Well, this one they say it's the fourth moon, the one we see. The fourth uh, moon. Yeah, one natural that collapsed, and a couple more uh, artificial ones um, that are existing right now that we just don't see. Yeah, uh, well, some uh, one one was collapsed, and another one is. Uh, Orbiting the solar system, uh, the this moon we see, uh, and that I was amazed myself. It's one one example of information that a channel wrote and published and found afterward. So many confirmations from so many sources, uh, including scientific sources in the 50s, the scientists, astronomers have been saying the moon is hollow, it doesn't have the mass for the the volume, it's, it, it doesn't behave like, many have, have said it's an artificial satellite, mm-hmm. we always have the same face facing us, it's exactly 400 times smaller and 400 times closer and the sun, so it covers it just perfectly. And there's plenty, plenty of uh, other, you know, evidences that, uh, including many photos of, of structures, mm-hmm. ships. Then we we find the information uh, in many ancient sources as well as new, uh, like uh, whistleblowers from uh, secret space programs and stuff like that. So, so there, exactly. it's, a, it's an alien base, basically. Yeah. And they, so they specifically told you the moon was hollow? Yeah, it was built, this one. Uh, it's uh, covered with a thick layer of uh, uh, silica and um, helium-3, I believe, which is uh, collected by the, the sun rays on the lunar surface and that are the, uh, used as uh, nuclear fuel. Right. 
yeah, there's a lot more going on with that than uh, most people are ready to hear yet. I don't think. Um, yeah. You also mentioned Antarctica, basically being part of Lemuria once or, or Atlantis. I don't really know how that works, but um, what have they shared with you about Antarctica? Is there more to, to discover there? Well, first we we know it's not always been under the ice. Mm-hmm. In those times, there was uh, they have found they have found plenty of uh, dinosaur bones and uh, tropical forests in Antarctica, but they also have found a lot of ancient uh, human uh, artificials, some probably older than human. Uh, pyramids and the ground bases and there's leaks and photos and reports and that's one reason why Antarctica is the only place uh, forbidden basically to the public you need special permissions and permits to go there and uh, it um, doesn't belong to any country because mm-hmm. there, there's someone else Others, other life forms are living in Antarctica. Right. It's not just, right. it's not just some cold, barren wasteland. Um, and it's probably, I mean, we don't know what's going on on the surface, but I would imagine it's all underneath the ice. Um, what's happening right now, which we've heard many whistleblowers talk about. Uh, so that resonates, definitely. Uh, I forgot what I was just going to follow up with. Um Oh, as far as eighth Earth, eighth Earth being like a intergalactic spaceport or something. At one point, uh, I think the Sasquatch used to talk about that, but now, obviously, you know, we've been suppressed, and you know, you have a hard time even convincing people that their space even exists at this point. And, but I guess Antarctica would be one of those places that might still be acting as a spaceport. That makes a lot of sense. Actually, the whole planet has visitors uh, going in and out every day. Uh, there's you know, tens of thousands of reports of UFOs every year, uh, probably per country. You know? There's uh, and increasingly more and more, and especially now everybody has a camera and, mm-hmm. and there's more talks about it, so more people are uh, inclined to share their experience, but there's also more and more contacts. And there's a reason is because uh, we are at a crucial point of our uh, evolution. Mm-hmm. And we need to remember one of the important things we need to remember we're not alone, we're part of a bigger family, a great chain of life. Right. So that gives us a responsibility in this universe. Yes, I agree. And yeah. last question before we wrap this up. Have they shared anything with you about the dinosaurs? The first, uh, I can say the first message I received in 1983 uh, uh, in the petrified forest of Arizona, where I snuck in and uh, spent a night there. And that's the first time I had a Sasquatch talk to me. Uh, I didn't understand what was going on back then. I thought it was a vision, but uh, he showed me that 
3D uh, holographic images. Kind of. That one is people who are walking with the dinosaurs. Uh, there is one thing uh, that's the... I, I knew from then on that the Sasquatch had been there with the dinosaur. The things I've discovered afterward, uh, later, is that um, among all those so-called so species of dinosaurs, there were some intelligent species. There were some uh, evolved uh, reptilian species that uh, could of build cities and operate technologies. And there, I, I found archaeological confirmation of this, I can say, uh, by the Grand Canyon, East Rim, where uh, there's pyramids. They're out there, just have to go and see them. There's pyramids and there are blocks with, um, Petrified fossil, huge fossil beds of dinosaurs there. But that are, that some are like embedded into the building blocks. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's worth considering that, but I'm sure from what I've learned and seen in my life that there were, the dinosaurs were not all just big lizards. There were some intelligent reptilians and Mm -hmm. and very bird-like even yeah. and what what about dragons have they ever came into the mix would that would some of the dinosaurs that we think were dinosaurs actually dragons and maybe that would explain the wings um yeah there's definitely uh stories of dragons are everywhere since everywhere, since ever right and they've been around there's probably less now nowadays or they live in underground caves or uh, once in a while we hear of sightings and there's also other beings like uh, you know giant sea serpent that uh, sighted that I got to see in British Columbia and it's other beings like uh, that look like pterodactyle or pteranodon type of being mm -hmm. there's they're booked with uh, reports from 20 states uh, and other countries, uh, which I, I got to see once uh, as well as this. this uh, pterodactyl? Yeah. Mm -hmm. they, they come through portals, you know, that's where uh, you, it gets complicated a little bit because there's parallel dimensions and timelines, you know, and past mm -hmm. and future can sometimes connect and some beings appear out of the blue and then return to another plane. Uh, yeah. So that's why maybe they're hard to find here. Sure. I mean, we've heard a, a number of people share their experiences and sightings of pterodactyls. Um, and the portal thing makes perfect sense. I think there's a natural portal system all over the planet and probably the Sasquatch utilizes it as well. Yeah. Right. And this has been studying the natural portals. And uh, they're basically, they can be created artificially as well, or uh, even with consciousness. And right. that's why they, you see them appear and disappear. Uh, mm -hmm. like yeah. So essentially an individual can achieve, uh, they can create a portal themselves. If they achieve a level of consciousness, 
uh, they can manifest one and go through it and it disappears and yes we can travel that way so i'm going to start training right now when we hang up so is there anything else that you would like to share or anything you would end with or any final words before we wrap this up well i would invite the uh, audience to uh, check my website uh, scenicsasquatch.com there's my uh, seven books uh, listed there, one, uh, one, one, one every year so far. Uh, I hope to carry on this way. And there's over 900 uh, posts with links and articles and videos information. Great. And we will put that link below. Um, but just for the audio people, could you mention the website one more time? ScenicSasquatch.com and Scenic, S-C-E-N-I-C stands for Sasquatch Closed Encounter Network for Interspecies Communication. Oh, great. Nice. That's awesome. ScenicSasquatch.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this was a pleasure. Yeah. Your thank wealth you. of information. I think what you're doing is a beautiful thing. They chose the right person and keep the books coming. I'm definitely going to be diving into this information a little deeper. It fascinates me to no end. So, Thanks again for everything that you do. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in. We love you all. If you feel compelled to join us at the conference, tickets are still available. We'd love to see you there. And if you can't make it, grab a live stream pass. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's right around the corner, 18 days away. Uh, so we look forward to seeing you all there. Have a great evening, everyone. We love you and good night. Good night, guys. There was a CIA director named William Colby, who in the 1980s said, we'll know our disinformation campaigns are successful when everything the American people believe is fake. When we realize how powerful we are when we set our intentions and we realize that we aren't just this, we are just these multi-dimensional light beings and time is an illusion and you know, it's everything's a perception then you can go forward and backwards and, and embody it and just pop out and go and do this work. You can do amazing things when we set the right intentions to do it. And I said, this is this is us on this plane. You know, like, this, that's what this is. We're going to the moon. And he said, this thing is a lot older than you think it is. And we've been going to the moon a long time. But I wrote on it. I knew that we went to the moon. And so I always knew there was a base on the moon from a young age. And our DNA is a complex recording system of the history of the entire universe the history you know of, of everything that not just this timeline that we know but multiple timelines of reality there are a total of nine different categories of planets uh, in the universe uh, we people on earth we are living on a category one planet like elementary school students and the theobans they are living on a category nine planet like uh, college professors so they have been really guiding us throughout history. Teokum let us know that this facility under the Sandia Mountain is considered an information station for interstellar travelers coming to the planet. They tell us that their facility was retrofitted into the ancient tunnel system that already existed. And as far as the bending the space-time continuum, I've had something like that happen. And what seemed like about a five minute encounter has been four and a half hours of missing time. 
and I was completely conscious. And when you're dealing with a type three, type four, type five civilizations that can work with the different coexisting timelines, all bets are off, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every time we have Bigfoot activity out there, we're having ETs and orbs and stuff like that. We have a lot of the stuff documented. As a matter of fact, um, I'm a member of three different teams and I work with people from all over the country out in the field. And um, we actually have documented a portal, something that we consider to be a portal um, opening. And we sent two of our team members inside of it. And really? It disappeared and then came back out. I would suggest that we take it one step further and say humanity has never known who we are. We've always been in the thought control matrix. And one step further, perhaps we could say that we're in a conscious, consciously controlled state of hypnosis. In other words, are the thought control matrix creators constantly bombarding us with frequencies that keep us from being telepathic, that keep us from remembering who we are? The thought control matrix was set up and we have never known our potential, our power, our yeah. beauty, our, our, our incredible connection. It makes no sense at all. There is no reason for it other than the programming that we've received for generations because it's all about order. It's all about listen to listen to your elders, listen to the teachers, listen to the adults, listen, listen, listen. And what that does is it, it, it dims the light of the child and it makes them feel like they don't have a voice. And why that's designed that way by the dark side and that's in the system is so that they grow up and they just listen to and they do what they're told and they're good little boys and good little girls and they lose their sense of self. They lose their north, their true north. Yeah. So many adults are walking around in, the, in this world. They don't know who they are. So the planet itself is now beginning to split. It's beginning to divide again into a higher vibrational earth and a lower vibrational earth and the race of man is dividing with it and we're becoming less and less aware of one another and over time what will happen and i don't know how long this will be one world will have all higher vibrational beings on it and the other one will all be third dimensional beings and we will not perceive each other anymore <laughs>